To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between three and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. You're so concerned about my end. Why don't you put one of those cars through my shops? What? Johnny Sack? Tell me about this guy in Newburgh. Johnny Sack? Yeah, Johnny Sack. Anyway, he gave me a better deal for shipping him home. Are you fucking serious? I don't like the way I'm being talked to you. What did I tell you when you came to me? Said you wanted back in. I said, as long as you don't step on anybody's toes. In my day. And that's another thing. I don't want to hear no more about how it was in your day. You just keep your antidotes to local color, like Dynaflows or Maguire Sisters or shit like that. Otherwise, shut the fuck up! Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, recorded here at the Spare Parts Studios. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Oh, it's an eclectic mix of articles and opinion pieces and Q&As and movie reviews and shmeenadamies and hands. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Haven't been banned yet. Or if you just want to be my friend, you can go to Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. TikTok at positive underscore sarcasm. No, it's just positive sarcasm. <gasps> And if you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Click on the Robinhood banner if you want to get a free stock. Also, I do I actually have to talk about the Robinhood thing in a, in a in a in a in a in a in a little bit. Also, if you want to hit me up on the YouTubes, go to uh, Positive Sarcasm or Positive Sarcasm Podcast. I upload clips every week on the Positive Sarcasm Podcast, and I'm working on something brand new and fresh for the Positive Sarcasm main page. Stay tuned for more information on that. Anyways, um, Great news in my state, gyms and hair salons have opened back up. You know what? Right now, there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now. And just before the crazy shit was met with more crazy shit, people were in a bad way as far as what? I mean, as human beings, we 
instinctively look for bad news because we're always looking for danger so we can try to avoid it. That's just how our brains work. And right now we need to be programming ourselves for good things. We need some relief. We need some things to kind of take our minds off of things. This is why I constantly eat very well or I'm constantly eating or I'm drinking good coffee or I'm trying to find little things in life that always give me perks, whether it's petting a dog or going for a walk or lifting weights or getting my lettuce tightened or checking my bank account to make sure I'm not in the red, uh, making sure that all my equipment works. It's just kind of decompressing. And when everybody got stuck inside, tension built up and we need some release. And the good news is, I mean, at least for me, uh, I do find that, that I, every day I'm attacking something stressful. But I always, every day, need something to decompress. And the gym is, for a lot of people, it, the gym is a very big deal. Just to be in the, and for the record, I hate going to the gym. I don't like it. But you have to pay respect to the, to the gift that is life every single day by going to physically take care of that, physically and mentally take care of that life that is given to you every day. There's no privilege behind that. Well, there is. It's a privilege to be alive, plain and simple. If your mother didn't abort you before the nine-month period, your life is privileged, period. That means the minute you pop out and the doctor says, it's a insert gender here, you got a shot. What you do with it at that point is up to you. And a handful, a few other factors, but no big deal. The fact is, is that you need these things in life right now to decompress. Whether before COVID, you need that stuff like going to not drinking or smoking weed or fucking doing whatever, but just the the health and wellness stuff that actually pays dividends in the long run. Like going to the gym is a big deal. Like being able to go back to the gym to the place that I don't like going to, but realizing that I feel better that I put in the time to struggle with something because the weights always win. Don't let that bullshit online te- or an Instagram fucking tell you any different. The weights always win. You could lift 225, 325, 1,000. At the end of the day, you always fail in the gym. Everybody leaves the gym a loser. Your muscles are all torn up, and you're fucking tired, and you're hungry. But leaving there, there's a sense of relief. Like, you gave something back. You gave gave something back. And you pay at the end of the day that your body is better off for it. And your body affects your mind. And these little things that are coming back to us uh, that we shouldn't have, in my opinion, maybe shouldn't have lost to begin with, uh, they're here now for some of us. And I'm taking full advantage of it. It, Coming back to the gym, was it was like nothing changed. There was a couple signs for social distancing, which eventually will go away. But for the most part, a lot of the same faces in a lot of the same places doing the same shit like nothing ever happened. Really. Uh, most of the dudes don't give a fuck. If a gym's open, a gym's open. One person wearing a mask with the exception of the employees. Um, and it was business as usual. And it felt good to be back, to go, to be part of, having a routine is important for anybody. And, you know, every two weeks I was going to get my lettuce tightened. And then when I found out that JCPenney's was filing for bankruptcy and was closing four, four stores, well, I go, I have a, a girl that I've been seeing there for a long, for, I mean, six months to a year who does a very good job at tightening the old scalp. But they were closed. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? You know, so I may do till then. But now that I get a, But then I get a phone call just the other day, you know, with a, you can you could hear the smile across the phone. You know, hey, we're back in. We're open. 
come see us. When do you want to be seen? And I'm obviously, I want to contribute. I want to be a part of that routine that I used to have. Well, the some of the parts that I'm missing. And I'm like, I'm, you know, this is the schedule I'm on and I will be there for it. Absolutely. And that's cool. And it's cool to get back into the swing of things. We can't afford, we literally cannot afford for this to happen again. For, forget it. COVID is not shit to a fine, does not compare to a financial crisis. It doesn't. COVID ain't shit compared to an actual financial meltdown. What we did to the, what right now, from what I can tell, this financial, the financial cost of COVID by, not because of it, if it, whether or not it killed people, that's different. That's science and whatever doctor shit. I'm talking about the financial impact of shutting everything down regardless of the state, shutting things down. That is the question of whether or not we will recover from that remains up in the air. There are a lot of questions to be had with that. And because the question is like, eh, this market could collapse, that market could collapse, and every time that the unemployment goes up or a business closes, somebody kills themselves. It's just, that's life. They realize that, People, before they think it through, think that they're in a hole that they can't get out of. And that's it. Life's over. No reason to live. I can't take care of my family. Off we go. And that's it. It's The damage is done in their brain. There's no way I can dig myself out of this hole. Fuck it all. And that's it. And I, I've read some articles about when you don't have your – when you lose your routine – and you're worried about where your next paycheck's going to come from, or your business collapses, or you lose your job, and then this thing happens. You the interest the the interest in the in the negative direction piles up, and some people just they snap at a moment's notice. And some people going into this were already emotionally, mentally, or financially fragile. And sadly, you know, I've read some stuff that really does connect to something that happens in everyday life, where somebody sees something and they react so sharply to it. They'd, and yet, before they realize or have a chance to understand what is transpiring, they've already jumped in front of a fucking train. And there's no and there's no going that this is a part of life. And the idea of closing up shop like this is doing, uh, maybe doing irreversible damage to the point that we cannot go through this again. We cannot go through this again. We cannot do this again. To the point where it just pops in my head. It's like, if we do this again, there may not be an America. There may not be one if we decide, not we, because I don't want to do it. I don't. I don't want to go by these rules and regulations of having to close up shop because a fucking bug got in my system. I don't want to do that. And I hope other businesses don't, don't abide by that. We can't do it again. If we do it again, this whole thing can collapse under the weight of its, uh, of its own uh, fear. Fear is what did this. And there was a lot of pre, uh, what do you call it? Pre-existing conditions that led up to this. People who didn't take care of themselves, people who are who were afraid, and us giving control to the powers that be. We never should have done any of that, and we paid the price for it. If we decide to do it again, we're fucked. But one kid, I'm reading about, I wanted to talk really quick, I should jump to this, because otherwise I'm going to go on another tangent. About uh, disconnecting from the things that just put you in a bad light. And I'm doing some video work on that. But one thing that really stood out to me was, where is it? This right here. I've talked about, you know, trade, you know, stock market stuff and investing and taking charge of your own life because the money's there to be had. 
I don't talk about certain factors of the market because I don't know enough about them and I don't know well, I don't know enough about them to assume that it's worth taking the risk in diving into it. People who are under the age of 25 in general are already mentally fragile. They are. They think with too much emotion and not enough uh, logic. And too much emotion can lead to horrific uh, horrific effects. And I talk, yes, do I like these, when it comes to like trading in the stock market and things like that, yeah, it's nerve-wracking. Even if you have a few hundred dollars in there, to watch that money swing back and forth all day long, go down for long periods of time. Oh, I just put uh, 500 bucks in the stock market. Now I'm down to 250. Oh, it's upset. That's an emotional roller coaster that can really put a lot of stress on you. Um, but what you don't, when you put your money in the bank, you don't realize that that money, once it's in the bank, it doesn't belong to you. Uh, well, it, you're federally insured up to $250,000 if you put your money in a credit union or you put your money in a bank. That bank can fail, though. So the only thing stopping you from losing that money is if the federal government backs your dollar. You put money into a house, housing market collapses. Guess what? You just lost money there. So you have to think it's like life is a risk in general. And you have to know if you don't know anything about the risk that you're taking, you may want to step back and educate yourself. And I know the the if you're smart enough, the uh, access to information is broader than ever. But the but the information and that risk involved with it, and you realize that information doesn't come fast enough for us to fully understand what is taking place, and we make rash decisions before we receive all that information. And there was an article in Forbes that I'm going to tie into uh, some more stock market stuff later about. See, I do I do work in the, I don't work in the stock market. I trade in the stock market. Okay. I have money invested in real estate stocks, investment capital, and things like that. Things that collapsed in the 2008 stock market crash. Things that, I mean, the amount of damage done was insane. Well, they, they are severely affected by COVID-19 as well. They're also affected by the riots. They're affected by a bunch of other things as well, but they are affected. They plummeted. But the thing is, is generally when I invest, I like investing in things that I either are no are going to give me a payout or two are going to have, they have dividends. So if I keep, if the money's down, so for example, if I put 500, say you put, I don't know, $3,000 in a stock market, you lose $1,000 in two weeks. Well, you don't lose that money until you pull, until you sell those stocks. But if they have dividend payouts underneath them, well, the good news is as long as the company doesn't, uh, cut the dividends out completely. Well, if you, as long as you keep that money in the market, then if you keep the money in that stock, you'll get payouts. They every quarter they'll give you an estimated profit of share uh, of their shares, uh, how much the money they made, and they will give you a percentage, albeit it's not much, but you'll get a little bit of cash sent back to you for just investing in them as a company. Ford does it. Ford's been doing it for decades. And you say you want to own money in Ford. Yeah, Mustangs. But you, but every quarter, they'll send you a dividend cut. And if you have 500 bucks, maybe you'll get $20, $30 back every quarter. And then that adds up at the end of the year. And then you have the choice of, do you want to take that money and use it for other things as long as you keep that money in there? Or do you want to reinvest it in Ford? It's up to you what you want to do. Because if you keep reinvesting in Ford, the, the dividend will get bigger because you'll be getting more return. And these are the things you learn about. 
So if the stock if the stock price goes down, you still at least get a cut every quarter. And then in the long term, maybe you decide to cash out. But the idea of putting money in the stock market is you want it to build over time. And I want my stocks to some stocks that I can sell in a couple weeks, in a couple days, in a couple months. Others, it's smart of me, instead of doing like 401k shit, because you can't touch that money until you're 65, so you're fucked either way. Or you can pull it if you're ever, you know, if you have a 401k and you work at a job that supplies your 401k and you get fucking booted, you can pull your money then if you need it. But the idea that I have, there's something coming for me and I don't necessarily have to sit there and wait for my money to return, if it does return, you get dividend payouts every quarter. That's a great thing, and it makes you want to sit. It's like, okay, the money's in there. I'm gonna get. Ret- I'm gonna get a return on that. Cool. But if you're just putting a bunch of money into the market and you're looking for a quick turnaround, because you're doing like things like options, stock options, and you don't really understand what you're dealing with, and you're just doing it through the power of your cell phone, and you're maybe watching a couple of YouTube videos, you could be asking for a shitload of trouble. And I could I could read a I could read an article about stock options, and you'd be like, "What the fuck?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, exactly. I'm in the same boat as you. It's the same exact shit. If you don't know, don't go. Just if you want to invest, it's simple. Just look at patterns, follow the patterns. Right now is a risky time to buy, but it's always a risky time to be trading in a market, especially one like this, because you don't know." But everything collapsed. Something's going to come out of it, most likely. If you believe in the United States financial system and it having a chance of recovering, then if you believe in it recovering, that means that you're going to put your money in the... You're going you're gonna to pay off your credit cards. You're going to pay off your cars. You're going to pay off your mortgage. You're going to pay off... Uh, uh, you're going to put money in a savings account. Or you're going to put money in a retirement fund. Well, guess what? You have to... A lot of companies that you work for eventually are going to, they may do away with company matching 401As or 401Bs or Roths or 401Ks. They, so the only money that's going to go in there is yours. So it's your, and it's your job, Matt, to monitor where your money goes. But if you believe that the, that the market's going to recover, that your banks are going to survive, that your job's still going to be there, then you invest in the market. And right now is the one opportune time to do that. Now, what you decide is up to you. But the idea of just believing in the country that you live in and you believe in the in the, in the dollar and that you're going to get a return is why you invest. But if you don't understand what you're investing in or how you're investing it or when you're going to pull your money, then don't do it. And I watch it fucking all day long. I watch it go up 200, 200, 150. You just, the money's fucking all over the place. Hundreds of shares just flying off in every different direction. Things you don't know about going every which way. But it's still there. And it's going to sit there. And then every quarter, I'll get a little dividend. You'll get a little dividend. A little something that you can put away for something else. Plane tickets to fucking Hawaii. I don't know. But this kid, because you can now with zero free commission trades, if you have, uh, if you get like, say you go to college and they send you money back, you take that money and you put it in the stock market. Well, this 20-year-old kid, he was a Robinhood customer. So E-Trade app, Ameritrade, uh, uh, Robinhood, there's a bunch of free apps where back in the day, if you wanted to invest or buy a stock, you had to pay a commission fee. 
Now you don't. You have to pay any commission fees whatsoever. So if you want to buy a, a, a stock of a one share of Ford, it'll cost you like six bucks, somewhere around there. That's it. And now you own a stock of Ford. And every quarter you'll get the, the, the release a statement. This is how much we made. Here's our, here's our, uh, our payout for each stock. And they'll send you, you'll get a, a return for like, I don't know, 20 cents, 40 cents, 50 cents. But if you own 50 of their stocks, well, that adds up. Now you get 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks every quarter. You own $3,000, do the math. You know, you start getting a couple hundred bucks. And that matures over, and all that shit can mature over time. It depends. But you do want to diversify. Diversify. But this kid decided he was going to do something even more risky. And I can't really dive into the idea of options. The idea of options is I'm going to put a trade out there and I'm going to try to sell it for this price, but you're going to buy this amount. It's a fucking nightmare. This kid was trading in options and he had thousands of dollars in the market. And when you buy and when you buy and sell in options, you're not dealing with hundreds of dollars. You're dealing with thousands of dollars. And sometimes in it's unfathomable how to approach this. People lose their livelihoods every day on the stock market. We're talking half a million dollars. Retirement funds, mortgages, just poof, gone. Just like that. Happens every day. The amount of news uh, about a day trader committing suicide, jumping off a roof, jumping in front of a train, hanging himself. It's common among day traders. But imagine taking all that information and all that money swinging back and forth and putting it in the head of a 20-year-old kid. They don't fathom that there's there's still a tomorrow. And they think the world is collapsing. And you don't know who's investing. You don't know who is investing. Now imagine you take that that person who loses hundreds of thousands of dollars and instead you give them a degree. Okay, well you get to live. You now you now you're a doctor, but you you owe a half a million dollars. This is your life now. But this kid had his whole life ahead of him. So here's the here I just saw it. it's on Forbes. You can read about it. 20-year-old Robinhood customer. I'm a Robinhood customer. I use Robinhood. Uh commits suicide after seeing a $730,000 negative balance. So here's the situation here. I'm going to read it for you. The note and this is a tough article. This isn't going to this isn't really that funny, but I'll get to the maybe the Q&A funny shit later, but the note found on his computer by his parents on June 12, 2020 asked a simple question. Quote how was a 20-year-old with no income able to get assigned almost a, a million dollars worth of leverage, unquote? The tragic message was written by Alexander E. Kearns, a 20-year-old student at the University of Nebraska, home from college and living with his parents in Naperville, Illinois. Earlier that day, Kearns was struck by an oncoming train. Like so many others, Kearns took up stock investing during the pandemic, signing up with a millennial-focused brokerage firm, Robinhood, which offers commission-free trading, a fun and easy-to-use mobile app, and even awards new customers free shares of stock. Uh, during the first quarter of 2020, Robinhood added a record 3 million new accounts to its platform. As the COVID-19 stock market swung wildly, Kearns had be begun experimenting trading options. His final note, filled with anger toward Robinhood, said that he had no clue what he was doing. Now, in fact, a screenshot from Kearns' mobile phone reveals that his account had a negative $730,000 cash balance displayed in red. It may not have represented uncollateral indebtedness, 
indebtedness at all, but rather his temporary balance until the stocks underlying his assigned option actually settled into his account. Silicon Valley-based Robinhood is not sharing details of Kern's account because that shit is private. Uh, it's impossible to know how all the factors contrib- contributing to suicide, especially in young people. Still, the tragic demise of Alexander Kearns is a cautionary tale of the serious risks with the race to the bottom of the brokerage business. Uh, Robinhood, E-Trade, TD Ameritrade, Ameritrade, uh, TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, Interactive Brokers, Fidelity, and even Merrill Lynch have all embraced commission-free trading. Zero minimum balances in an effort to attract younger customers, many of whom have little understanding of securities and markets they are dabbling in. It is a dangerous, personally, it is a dangerous game. Okay, if you have thousands of dollars in the stock market, you could lose it all tomorrow. Anything can happen. I remember bought a stock once, and the next thing you know, they decided to do this fucking reverse split. So all your stocks, if you had, say you had 40 stocks, and they decided to do a reverse split because say a stock blows a certain market value. Like say you have a, st- a stock that flows, falls below two, $2 a, mar- a stock, $2 per share. The New York Stock Exchange will threaten, or NASDAQ will threaten, to remove that stock from the market. It'll devalue the stock. If you aren't worth buying, we will remove you from our from our list. And if the public receives word of that, they'll dump the stock. So one way to up the value of your stock, to make it look big, is if you have a stock that's worth uh, $1 a share and you own four of them, what will, the company will do is a reverse split. Or, okay, a standard split is if you own a stock that's worth $4, one stock worth $4, they do a two for one. That means you now have two, You have, your stock is now worth, instead of four, it's worth $2. But you have two of them. So you still have $4, but there were two bucks a piece. No, there's nothing wrong with that. A reverse split is different. A reverse split is, say you got a stock that's worth $4, they do a reverse split. Or you got, you got a stock, you got four stocks worth $1 a piece. They reverse it. Now you have one stock worth $4 a piece. They do that so that they can avoid being uh, removed from the stock exchange, the NASDAQ or the S&P or whatever they're listing under, to keep the value of their stock high. And that's not good. It's a sign of weakness. And And generally what happens with this one company that I did it with, within a day, you bought in pre trading, the news was released, and then the market, and then the stock plummeted. Within a, a matter of minutes, I was down 50%, just like that. And now, making impulsive reactions can hurt you in the market too, because once you sell that stock, you've lost that money if you're under, if you go under. But in that case, it could keep going. In that case, it did keep going. So by pulling the trigger, I did cut my losses. So... And you're not supposed to do that. And I've learned my lesson as far as day trading. You cannot day trade unless you own, you have 20, 25 grand in the market at that time. That's what day trading's for. So you're walking into the stock market, the New York Stock Exchange, where shit from all over the world is being passed by electronically within a matter of milliseconds. And you're walking in there with a $25,000 chip every time. Some people have their life savings. And you can be walking in there physically or you can be walking in there virtually. Doesn't matter, you're still there. And you got to make decisions by the second. But still, with options, it's a different animal altogether. And it's, it, it's fucking dangerous. But you have to understand, with anything else, there's, da- there's risk in life. You don't realize it. You look at your stock portfolio. 
you could you could have uh, you look at your 401k you could have lost a thousand dollars in your 401k value and not even realized it till the end of the quarter that shit happens because that Vanguard listing or whatever you use to invest in your 401k that invests in certain things and those things go up in value and going down in value. So anytime you're putting money out there, yeah, you are taking a risk. And that shit is not federally covered. You lose money in the market, it's on you. Well, you say, well, I don't want to get involved in the market. You have to. It's the cornerstone of, the, of this whole fucking thing. You have to do it. But you have to understand what you're investing in and how much risk you want to get involved with. 401k will take you forever to build up. Mutual funds, those aren't bad. Get a little of those going, but still... Get in the market. Get involved. Use your money to make more money. You got to spend money to make money. And by putting money in the market for, you're going to make it, you know, you have a plan for your money. If you have a plan for your money, you're good to go. That can be your full-time job is managing money. But this kid was 20 years old and he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. I'll go on to read more. I thought everything was going fine, says Bill Brewster, Kern's cousin-in-law, Chicago-based Sullender Capital Group. His father said he was loving the markets and really enjoying investing. And then on Friday night, he got the call that his mummy had died. Kearns apparently fell into despair late Thursday night after looking at his Robinhood account, which appeared to have $16,000 in it. But it also showed a cash balance of negative $730,000. In his final note seen by Forbes, Kearns insisted that he never authorized margin trading and was shocked to find his small account could rack up such an apparent loss. When he saw that $730,000 number as a negative, he thought that he had blown up his entire future. I mean, this kid that he was, I mean, this is a kid that when he was younger was so conscious about savings. Although Robinhood won't release the details of account, it's possible that Kearns was trading what's known as bull, a bull put spread. Put options, put options give buyers the right to sell the stock at a strike price anytime until expiration. While put sellers are on the hook to buy the underlying stock at the strike price, if assigned, this happens automatically at expiration if the price of the underlying stock closes that day at a price one penny or more below the strike price. In, and I know, you, if you don't understand what the fuck that means, if you do, good on you. Good luck. I don't. I know that if you fucking, if you sell below that value, you're on the hook for a lot of contracted money. And that's where the problem lies. And you got to pay that money. If you owe the stock market, they're coming for it. In Kearns' note, he says he put that the puts he bought and sold should have canceled out because normally a bull put spread involves selling put options at a higher strike price and buying puts at a lower strike price. Both with the same expiration. The trade generates a net credit, which the options trader keeps if the stock price stays above this high, higher strike price through expiration. It's generally considered a limited risk strategy because the simultaneous purchase and sale of put options means the maximum loss on a per share basis is the difference between the strike price less the amount earned and when the puts are sold initiating the trade. There are wrinkles. However, when the price of the underlying stock at expiration is between the two strike prices or in the case of early assignment, which may have occurred in Kern's account. So, I mean... I could go on trying to uh, read exactly what they're talking about, how a bull put spread or this, how to trade the auction or strike prices. The fact is, is, if you have a contract out there for thousands of dollars, every penny counts. He was trying to make pennies on the dollar in a, in a short amount of time with a large amount of money. And if you are plus on pennies on the dollar at the end of the day, you make, you make a good chunk of cash. If you're below, 
you lose a good chunk of cash. And then, of course, there's all kinds of other sh- other technical shit behind that. But you had a kid with $16,000 invested in the market. How the fuck did he get that money? And you have to enable stock options in the Robinhood trading app. And in a lot of these apps, they taught, they, they teach you, they, they say introducing stock options and here's your options. You have to enable that. You have to enable that. You have to enable reinvest dividend reinvestment, uh, dollar, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? I have it on here. There's one where you can invest in as little as a dollar in the stock market. And like say Tesla's, Tesla's almost a thousand dollars. You can put, you can invest in Tesla with with one dollar. So you own, you know, a a a, a, a a withering amount of one share, but you still own one dollar of Tesla. So it can go up or down. It can. You could be one next week. It could be a dollar and one cent. That's. But you can still do that. Fractionals, fractional share buying, and then there's other aspects. But you and of course their um their card, their debit card that they have. It is you have to enable these. You have to manually enable all of these options, and you have to stay in Robinhood and use it on a daily or weekly basis in order to receive access to these awards, to these other options of making money in the market. And he enabled one of the most risky options that's available was options. That's 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 one I don't touch. I don't touch it. I don't go near it. I don't know anything about it. There are other people that know how to use it. They know how to manipulate it. They have the money for it, and they make a shit ton of cash. But there are, is a perfect example of people who do this shit all the time. They live and breathe it, and they ultimately die because of it. Because like anything else, it burns you out. It's a lot of information going through your head, and it, it, it's a rush. For some people, it's a fucking rush. Like some people, they, they become cops because it's a rush. They go to the gym because it's a rush. They hike, mount, climb mountains because it's a rush. Some people day trade because it's a rush. It's just a rush. It's an adrenaline rush. And if you don't have that adrenaline rush or you don't have financial access to that adrenaline rush, what the fuck else are you going to do but put a bullet in your head? This uh, Here's a list. This is from ZeroHedge.com. It starts off with another trader commits suicide bringing total recent banker deaths to 10. And I'll just read it to you. A man had, let's see. For a market that is flirting with all-time highs on a daily basis, when, when was this done? This was 2014. 2014, there was a fuckload of money that was being made uh, at that time. Because this was five years after the, the uh, 2008 mark, uh, housing market collapse. For a market that is stirring with all-time highs on a daily basis, the recent bank loan trader suicide epidemic seems oddly out of place. And yet he continues, it claims even more victims, with the latest casualty being so-and-so at 47, a trader at Midtown's Vertical Group, who, was, who as the Post reported, jumped in front of a LIRR train station yesterday at 6 a.m. near the Syosset. Syosset is in New York. Syosset train station and was pronounced dead at the scene. So, let's see. Manhattan trader was killed Tuesday morning by speeding along... Okay, yeah, so... Uh, with blah, 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 blah. Passengers in the westbound express chance that they saw a man standing at the track before he jumped in front of the train. A was a great guy, managing director at Vertical. Told the post an email. We were always upset when he was deeply mi- and he will be. We are very upset and he'll be deeply missed. Father of three rented a house around the corner from his ex-wife. There's a stress there. One family friend who spoke to the trader on Sunday posted a 
Didn't really look good. The latest dev. Okay, so 10. And there's a bunch here. It's a bunch of guys. Uh, I'll say their name. You know, William Brokesmith, a 58-year-old former senior exec at Deutsche Bank, found dead in his home after an apparent suicide at South Kensington. Day trader. Carl Slynn, 51. Uh, Tata Motors managing director, found dead on the fourth floor of the Shangri-La Hotel in Bangkok. Gabrielle, uh, Gabriel McGee. Maggie, 39-year-old J.P. Morgan employee, died after falling from the roof at J.P. Morgan European headquarters in London. Mike Duker, 50-year-old economist at U.S. Investment Bank, found dead close to Coma Narrows Bridge in Washington State. Richard Talley, 57-year-old uh, American Title Services, Centennial, Colorado, found dead early this month, shooting himself with a nail gun. Tim Dickinson, communications director, Swiss RE, died last month. Circumstances around his death, unknown. Henry Crane, 37, J.P. Morgan, legend suicide. Uh, Lee Junji, 33-year-old banker, Hong Kong, jumped from the fucking J.P. Morgan HQ in Hong Kong this week. James Stewart, former National Bank of Commerce, found dead, Scottsdale. Family spokesperson, cause of death unknown. Day trader, Ed, Ed Riley, 47, Midtown Vertical Group, committed suicide, jumped in front of a Lear train. See this, how much stress? These are 40, 30, 40, 50-year-old guys committing suicide. And you now are putting the power of trading stock options into the hands of a 20-year-old college student. It's dangerous. It's fucking dangerous. And the idea that you're putting that amount of power in somebody's hands who doesn't fully understand money, doesn't fully understand his own brain at this point because your brain doesn't fully develop until you're in your mid-20s anyways. So this kid who has college in front of him, his whole future in front of him, and then they're going to put the power of financial God into his hands. And then the next thing you know, he sees a strike price there and he's down 700 grand. When in fact, he may not have been. Who knows? But he just assumed that life was over, I guess. And that was it. But he's a 20-year-old kid. 50-year-old dudes, 40-year-old dudes are ending their lives. It's scary shit. You have to be in the right, and this time right now, even though the market is fucking crazy right now, crazy. It's okay, though. It is okay. If you are going to lose money in the market, sometimes it's okay because at the end of the day, it's only money. If you lose 500 bucks in the stock market, your life isn't over. Okay? I've lost money in the stock market. I've lost hundreds of dollars. It's okay. It's okay. You gotta, there's other avenues. You just have to stay sharp and understand the risk that you're willing to take. People go to the casinos all the time, blow hundreds of dollars of cash, thousands of dollars of cash. You don't see them. I mean, they don't have any fucking souls. What does it matter? You got to be willing to take that risk. But there are risks. If you don't understand what you're doing, you're just playing Russian roulette. And this, the power of it, maybe, I mean, should there be regula regulations on it? I don't know. I, maybe not. I don't think is I I don't think there's a point on it because the fifty year old guys are losing their fucking cow in the stock market at age you know fifty at fifty year old guys it's not gonna matter if a twenty year old doing it. it really isn't they have the power it, money is power the more money you have the more power you have and maybe the idea of having that I mean giving a twenty year old the power of stock options. There's got to be some education, but it's it's a big risk. It is definitely a big risk being able to do that in in a a little trading app that you can make life altering decisions within the power of your cell phone. 
But people do it all the time. People do it all the time. People fucking send tweets out. And the next thing you know, they send tweet. There, one woman, she said something on a tweet. She dropped a tweet, got on a plane. When she landed, turned on her phone, and she was fucking front page news and was fired from her company. Just for a tweet. No money was no money was involved. Just a tweet. 140 characters was all it took for her to lose her job in an eight-hour span. What else are you going to do? There's risk in any situation. There's risk in not taking risk. And I support the idea of people having more access to this opportunity of making money. And there should be, and there's a lot of information out there. But if you're trying to get rich quick, there's always going to be risk involved with that. Day trading, large amount of risk. Stock options, large amount of risk. Shorting the market, large amount of risks. It's gambling. And then the casinos are closed. People turn to the stock market. People right now, they're investing in Hertz. I've talked about Hertz. Hertz was failing for bankruptcy. You don't invest in companies that are filing for bankruptcy. You can't rescue that money. If you're going to short that, if you're going to do a short though, and you're going to buy and let every, everybody else is going to buy into that trending stock and it's going up, and then you're going to pull the money once it peaks, great. You just made a shitload of money. Good on you. You're being smart. Everybody else is going to get fucked. But when you're going into the market, you're not thinking about other people. You're just thinking for yourself. But it's important right now with everybody stressing about, stressing out about where their money's going, how do they invest, what do they do, what's going to crash, are we going to recover, is there going to be a second wave, are the riots going to come to my town, what's going to happen with the election, and you know, are doctors you know, ready for this, are we prepared for this? I don't know. I don't know what to fucking tell you. But the idea is if you don't understand what you're dealing with, don't get involved. Don't get involved. Everything right now, everything you do is, is a loaded gun. Whether it's whether it has to do with uh, uh, culture or politics or investing or your job description or starting a business, everything's a loaded gun. Everything is a loaded gun. Everything has risk involved. There's no there's I've realized that everything that I do, everything that I've, I've done up to this point, I I wish. You know what's you when you think about it, it's like okay I've lost a couple hundred bucks you know maybe in the past couple days in the market or something like that okay some some a lot of people have okay fine but I have to think back on when I didn't invest in the market at all like if I if I would have invested in Apple when I graduated high school Apple was like at six dollars a share. Now it's cruising towards 400. So the idea of not investing, how much money did I pass up on then? IBM or or Ford, all the money that I could have it could have be it could be there for me now. It could be there for me now and it's not there now because I didn't take the risk then. So I lost. I've lost more money in my life than I've ever gained. I've lost 30, 40 grand in college. That was a big fucking waste of time. You know, worthless jobs, worthless apartments, worthless girlfriends, you know, worthless business ventures. Uh, and not just in money, but in time. Time is huge. Time is your biggest profit. That's your big, that is your biggest moneymaker is the amount of time and labor you put into something. 
and all that time wasted in these things. And people trying to get rich quick. That shit, it's, it's a one in a million shot. And for a 20-year-old to be doing it, I'm just saying, it shouldn't be regulated where if you're 20, you're not allowed to invest in the stock market or anything like that. It's If you're 20, what the fuck do you know? Puts, if, if you want, put a little money in the stock market, play with it, understand how quickly things shift second by second, learn the patterns, spend money to educate yourselves. Because you're not going to go to college right now and get the edu- and spend that money to get the proper education you were looking for. But it, there are ways to spend money in the stock market and spend money on programs that teach you specifically about the things that you can use, the tools that you can use to make money. Spend your money on that. Because if you want to just if you just want to make money and secure your future, there are avenues to go down. And then after you make the money that you're looking for, then you can focus on the things that you're truly passionate about. And maybe that's the way to go. But when I talk about these things and I think I talk about the market being fun and exciting and you gotta get involved. Yeah, you do gotta you do gotta get involved. I watch this shit all day long. I watch the market fall all day long and go down. And it's like, all right, whatever. People are getting scared. People are getting scared and pulling their pulling their cash. That's fine. That's fine. Pull your cash. Because at the end of the day, you could take all of my money in the market right now. You could pull absolutely all of it. And I would still be fine. All of it. I could lose all of it today, tomorrow, next week. I'd be fine. You could take all of my money because I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I don't, I'm okay. Like you could take all of my money from the stock market right now. You could, I mean, and not send me a, like a stimulus check. You could take a, you could take, not have sent me a stimulus check, not have sent me uh, a take and take all my fucking stock money. I'd still be fine. I'd still be fine. You know. I'm, you have to be prepared to take the losses. And the more prepared you are to take the losses, the more prepared you are to make those gains. You go to the, you go to the gym to fail. So, and you're prepared to fail. But you will get stronger in the meantime. And you have to have confidence boosters. And you have to have these things that take your mind off or give yourself a little bit of confidence throughout the week. I go to the haircut. I go get my haircut every two weeks to maintain an appearance, to look good, feel good about myself. Okay, I invest in the stock market because I still believe in the idea of uh, a long-term investment and making money and having a payback. And if you're invested in the stock market, you're invested in America. You're invested in the idea that people are going to pay their mortgages, people are going to uh, go back to work, businesses are going to reopen. You believe in the system. That's why it's there. So do you just want to work a shitty job all your life and bounce from job to job to job that you absolutely fucking hate or do you want to jump in you want to jump in on this capitalism and see how it works out for you don't rely on anybody else to do this shit for you you gotta you gotta take the risk yourself learn sit there and learn i told my my nephew the other day he doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do with his life not that it's a bad thing he's young like i said he's young he's smart and he's stupid why is he smart he's highly educated He's got the he's got the he's got great mental genetics. He's excellent at coding. And he's got he's got good lingo. He's stupid, 
because he's only 21. So, but that's, everybody's stupid at 21. And, but besides that, he's still a smart kid because he's not in debt and he can still do what he wants. You know, graduated high school. He's taking the classes he wants to take. He doesn't have a huge uh, a debt to income. And he's making tons of money. And he's healthy. And he doesn't have any kids. So he's fine. No worries. He could take a few bumps and bruises. So, but he doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do. Well, you have to, as me, the quote elder, you give him ideas. You just talk to him. And you let them you scramble you let them scramble their brains a little bit to figure out you talk they just talk sometimes people can talk their ways into figuring out the answer. They're like, I don't know what I want to do. It's like, well listen, you can take an FAA one oh seven. You'd be smart. You could pass that in ten seconds. That'll give you the act that'll give you the ability to fly a drone for commercial purposes and make cash in the real estate market, make cash for building inspections, make cash for any reason that a drone would be needed. And I said, if you take the SA, if you take the FAA 107, and you pay to pay to take the test, and you pass it, and you start a business uh, with that, I will go out and I will buy you your first drone, which is an $800 investment into his company. I said, you do that, and I'll pay for it. I will pay that fucking, I will pay for that fucking drone. We will go there. We'll sit down. I'll tell you all the things that you need to do to buy it, and you and I will get it, and I'll get it shipped right to you. Then we'll go out flying together. Because I got two birds. I would have three, but I crashed one of them in the water. Should go find it. Uh, but that was years ago. But I have two, and I could show him how to do it. And that would at least give him an outlet to make possible cash, quick and easy cash, in the meantime, until he figures out what else he wants to do. Because if he's able to if he's able to contract out to just make that cash and not be beholden to some big corporate company that tells him what the fuck to say, what the fuck to do, and where the fuck to do it. Great. So, I want to tell you that even though I pr- I pr- preach and promote these things about diving into life, investing in your own business, you know, investing in your own business, investing in the stock market, and investing in in free speech, there are risks to all of them. Understand the risks you're taking before you dive in, because for some people, they don't understand the, that they're mentally not prepared for the possible negative outcome that could bestow that could be that could be coming down the pike i just want you guys to know that that there's a lot of risk but also have your outlets at the end of the day to take your mind off these things go to the gym go to get your hair cut uh uh your your friends or your family or or trips or whatever just have those outlets because after a hard day of getting your ass kicked in in the stock market or in a college class or on a test or in your regular job, you need those outlets because you never know. You lose seven hundred grand in the stock market. You're fucksville. Well, you got a routine. You got to go to the gym. You go to the gym. They re- and then it's like okay, okay, your head's cleared because you focus on the gym. The next day you wake up, that money's restored because of a technical error or the money was just resetting and changing hands. Who knows? I don't know. But you, you gotta have those outlets so that. You're thinking clear at the end of the day. Uh, also, I, before we get to Q&A, yeah, I'm going to do a hard shift here, like I always do. Uh, we're going to do I, – I, before we get to Q&A, I wanted to mention that I did see a movie that I've actually been curious about to see for quite some time. 
Uh, it was tw- it came out in 2019. It's got a bunch of people in it. It's called Knives Out. It's by Ryan Johnson, the guy who screwed up Star Wars. Uh, Daniel Craig's in it. Chris Evans, who played Captain America, was in it. Anna de Armas is in it. Uh, let's see. Daniel Craig, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford, uh, Jaden Martell, uh, Frank Oz, Kate Callan. Yeah, a bunch of people are in it. Now, quite quick synopsis about it basically is... Oh, shit. A detective investigates the death of the patriarch uh, of an eccentric combative family. So... There's the there's the father, and he dies in the beginning of the film, and then Daniel Craig shows up and investigates everybody in the family. And the reason it's called Knives Out is because they're all talking shit about each other throughout the whole film. So he investigates this throughout, and it's it's got some twists and turns. There's some predictability, but uh, there is a little there's one gimmick that that you follow throughout the movie that helps you along that kind of ties it all together. But it's a fun movie. It's kind of funny at times. It's definitely a crime drama, and there's definitely some drama involved. But the characters, the lead characters are great. It's an enjoyable flick. Great for those who have like Amazon Prime because it's free on there right now. If you go pick it up at Redbox, great. But uh, it, it got a, on IMDb, it got a 7.9 out of 10. I gave it a 4 out of 5 stars because I found it really entertaining. Uh, the twists, you knew a twist was going to be coming. Uh, you knew that there, and you know there was going to be more than one, obviously. But overall, acting was great. The layout was fun. I love Daniel Craig as uh as the detective, and overall, just an enjoyable flick. Just in general, it it, it how long was this movie, anyways? How long was that? Uh, two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, it felt about right. But overall, for a guy who screwed up Star Wars, he did a really good job with Knives Out. So, uh, Knives Out, 7.9 out of 10. I gave it 4 out of 5 stars, uh, 2019. It's free on Amazon Prime right now, so go and check that out. Do I have anything else to say about it? Nah. Let's go ahead and keep moving. All right, let's see. We're at 52 minutes. Let's crush some Q&A. Uh, no, not that one. Uh, not that one. Uh, oh, I didn't open it up yet. Ooh, silly me. Should be down here at the bottom somewhere. Uh, COVID-19. Dig Q&A has got some really fucking shitty articles. Well, Dig Q&A, Dig is basically, it's just a, a site that gives you links to all these articles by all these companies, like, you know, BuzzFeed, Washington Post. It's just any company that has, but it's just so many articles out there that are just garbage. Uh, and Dig has a, a ton of them. It's like, all right, none of this stuff is interesting. It's all got an agenda to it. It's all skewed. It's like, well, I'm not going to read any of this shit. And all it is is COVID and fucking racism. It was one of the two. So it's like, all right, I'm all set. Pass. But these articles, these are these, excuse me, these Q&As are fucking brilliant because it reminds you how much, how far we are from truly figuring shit out that we are so fucked up and that these questions, these are the questions that some people are struggling with on a daily basis. That means we have a long way to go. Here's the first one. Should I try to be friends with a guy who got a tattoo of my name after I broke up with him? She's asking that question. She's merely asking that question. If that's her biggest issue nowadays, then obviously she's got some more issues coming down the pike. Here's the rest of it. Four months ago, I started dating a guy. We clicked really well. We lived three hours apart, so our relationship was mostly played out through texting and emails. We had so much fun getting to know each other. 
But I started seeing little red flags. He'd get very angry if I didn't text him frequently. He seemed possessive, and he was pressuring me to push the relationship along faster than I wanted. Because of this, I broke up with him. At first, he did not take it well and said a few hurtful things. Guys do that. And after a few weeks, of, he asked if we could be friends and keep in touch via text. Since I did enjoy the texting banter, I agreed but made it clear that we are just friends. He, asked several t- he has asked several times if I would forgive him and move to an intimate relationship with him again. I told him that I was not interested in that but hoped that we would continue to stay friends. He just sent me a picture of his new tattoo. The tattoo is my name with hearts on his back. I vacillate between being furious and just shrugging it off. Can you uh, offer any insight on what would make a man do such a ridiculous thing after breaking up with someone? Is it even possible to remain friends or must I just always make a clean break? Okay. Obviously, he has attachment issues. He has some anger issues. And this whole texting thing, as I've stated before, is bullshit. If it's not worth stating in a phone call, it's not worth stating. Anything important needs to be put through a phone call or needs to be said in person. Texting is not for conversation. It isn't at all. Texting is not even a form of conversation. So don't even waste your time with that shit. And the next thing you know, he's going to show up with a fucking tattoo with hearts all over it on, of you on his back. Now, that dude is nuts. He has to go and he has to learn a lesson. Girls do this. Guys do this. People do this. You have to, people have to make, understand that. Well, first of all, that tattoo is a huge waste of money. Tattoos are expensive, by the way. I have one. It cost me like 200 bucks. Shit's not cheap. You're making a financial investment that somebody's not emo- someone who's not emotionally invested with you. That person has a long way to go. You need to get rid of them all in general and just completely cut yourself off. If you want to put a goodbye text in there, okay, fine. But at this point, this person's fucking psycho and you need to cut it off because people like this maybe aren't told, weren't told no or weren't raised with the word no. Maybe if we just started smacking fucking kids again, I think the world would be a lot more normal. But you need to break it off with this dude completely because he doesn't understand. And if you have to block his number, I get it. I get it. Uh, Next one. Am I a jerk for telling my girlfriend she couldn't meet my parents because they're racists? When in fact, they're just nudists. I am a 21-year-old male and my girlfriend Jane is an Asian American. We've been dating for two years now and are currently living together. I met Jane's immediate er family early on their relationship and and recently met her extended family last year at their New Year's celebration. My parents live in a gated community with other nudists. I visited them a handful of times since they moved and it's just pretty awkward experience, so I just keep it to phone calls. She just... um, she brought up meeting them a few times and I didn't know what to say. So I just told her what they are. I just told her. So I just told her that they are racist so that she'd stop asking to meet them, which she did. However, now the problem is, is that I, we've been attending the protests and she feels that I should stop talking to my parents as I'm enabling them. And maybe if I'd stop talking to them, then they might, I don't know, stop being racist. So I told her that I lied. And the real reason I don't want her to meet them is because they like being naked. She's very angry. She called me a massive asshole and shows, and it shows my white privilege for joking about such a serious issue. She's gone to, to her sister's and is currently not talking to me. My sister thinks it's absolutely hilarious that I can only end up in a situation like this. You know what? Your fucking sister's the best. I wish I could meet her one day because she obviously thinks of you as a fucking joke, which you are, and your girlfriend's a fucking lunatic, in my opinion. Okay, yes, yeah, she is. And anybody... Okay, I'm going to put it to you this way. Anybody who says that you have white privilege or any type of privilege, stop talking to those people 
They're fucking demented. They're brainwashed. They don't have any clue what they're talking about. And the fact that you would say is somebody's privileged based on their religion, uh, sex, or uh, ethnicity is in fact being a bigot. They are in fact saying something racist. And that is a reason to stop talking to them because they clearly don't understand fucking logic. Anybody who tells you you have white privilege, Asian privilege, black privilege, uh, Jewish privilege, stop talking to them Leave them in their own element. You can't convince them otherwise. They're fucking retarded. Don't talk to them anymore. However, you, your parents, well, first of all, your parents, put some fucking clothes on. All right, have some respect. But also, if they are nudists, that's their choice. If you're going to be in a nudist community, okay, guess what? That's the rule. Take off your pants. Uh, if you're coming outside of the nudist community, you have to put your clothes back on. So if you want to meet uh, Jane, which I don't think is going to be likely anymore, you have to put clothes on. That's out of respect. I don't think Jane's going to come to the nudist community to meet to meet them. But the idea that you lied, instead your parents decided they want to live in a nudist community. Okay, weird, but okay. That's their choice. But then you lied about your parents stating that they're fucking racist. That's horrible. You're a fucking horrible person and an asshole. And you bought into this stupid bitch who thinks you're a fucking uh, you're, uh, white privileged. So guess what? Fuck Jane, fuck you, and have your sister call me. Anyways, uh, where, where next one? Let's see, so do, 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 do. should I keep lying to my in-laws about my income? It does I don't my husband. Nah, who cares about that? But I'll just say on this: uh, who, who ever, if you're in, a, if you're in a relationship, whoever makes the most money doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit. As long as you're making money or taking care of the kids, doesn't matter. You're in a family. That's how it works. Be one or the other. Doesn't matter who makes the most money in the relationship. As long as you're both making money and contributing to the household, it doesn't matter. You can be a man and still make less money. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as you're contributing, that's all that matters. That's all I want to say about that one. Uh, let's see. This one, okay, we will end on this one. I like this one. Did my boss discriminate me? This coffee is straight fire today, by the way. Mm. If you guys haven't been listening, if you're new to the podcast, Here's my method right now, what I'm doing. It's one part moose crunch. Uh, it's, excuse me. One part moose crunch, one part cafe Bustello, one part Javalia, and one part uh, Classico by Lavazza. <sighs> That'll put some hair on your ass. Did my boss discriminate against me by threatening to fire me after I told everyone in the office about a coworker's criminal record? I Googled several of my coworkers out of curiosity to see what, if anything, might come up. And I found that one of them has a criminal record. Apparently, he had a substance abuse problem that resulted in an assault charge. It was 25 years ago, but I don't think people like that change. So I let everyone else in the office know. My boss told me that the office has a zero-tolerance policy for malicious gossip, that if I ever did something like that again, I would be fired. She knows that I'm a Christian, so she asked me what the Bible says about gossip. I thought that was totally uncalled for and maybe even religious discrimination. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. How should I handle this? You shouldn't have a fucking job. The fact that you mentioned somebody's personal life in the office at all and talked about anything that has nothing to do with your business, you should be, all your shit should be put in a box and your Christian ass should be out on the fucking street. This is 25 years ago it could be seven years ago it doesn't matter this person was hired and then you found their criminal record and decided to publicize their life 
their criminal record in the office is a fireable offense. And the fact that you actually still have a job is a goddamn miracle. So just be happy that you still have employment at this time. And never, ever, if you work in an office, never, I've already talked many times, don't associate with your fucking colleagues. No, don't do that. I know there's a, well, I like my colleagues. We go on great. Great, good for you. Good luck with that. This is what happens. See? 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 That's what I'm talking about right here. Don't associate with your colleagues. And number two, don't ever air your colleagues' dirty shit at the office. You and some, a lot of companies, HR will run with that and you will lose your job within a matter of min- minutes. You won't even have a chance to collect your shit. You will be asked to leave and then you will, be out, you will come back days later to pick up your shit at the front door met by a security guard. Don't ever do that again. We are at one hour and three minutes. I am done for today. Uh, like I said, is a warning. Peer pressure. Don't fall into it. It's this. That's a big thing right now. Keep your mouth shut, but don't tell anybody. Don't let anybody tell you what to fucking do. And in the, and for as far as the whole market thing right now, don't invest in something you have no understanding of. If you are investing large amounts of money, okay. Right now, take everything with increments and look for small gains. But don't think you're a fucking genius and you're going to make money rich quick overnight, okay? So in the meantime, uh, if you do have questions or comments or concerns, or if you want to enlighten me with some other information, but if it's about white privilege, you can fucking kiss my ass. Hey, puppy! Oh, look who's coming to visit the podcast. It's the chase. It's the little pit bull who almost got put down in Arkansas. Oh, you're a good boy. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, uh, CastBox, wherever podcasts are available. You can also find me on Positive Sarcasm uh, at Outlook.com if you want to email me directly. You can contact me also through my website, too, as well. Just go to Positive Sarcasm and click on the contact button. Isn't that nice? There's so many grace to contact. You can slide into my DMs if you just want to do, that, do it that way, but don't send me uh, your dick pics. Uh, just thanks but no thanks uh also if you want to find me on facebook.com slash pos sarcasm you can find me on instagram at positive underscore sarcasm and tiktok and then of course hit me up on youtube as well i have two channels there but until then um i want to thank you guys all for listening watching subscribing i will talk to you all next week recorded here oh if you want to be a guest in the podcast just email me or hit me up and let me know what you want to do or what you want to say or if you want to just sit in the casting couch and pet my dog you can also just contact me that way, and uh, we'll have a blast. But until then, thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. Recorded here in the Spare Parts Studios, this has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. All the problems, man.
Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.